Hello, and thanks for joining part one of the special edition of Thoughts in the Market. I'm Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross-Asset Strategist for Morgan Stanley. And I'm Matthew Harrison, Managing Director and Equity Research Analyst covering biotechnology. Today, we'll be talking about the current spread of the coronavirus, how we expect that spread to look later in the fall, and what we think this could mean for markets. It's Thursday, July 23rd at 2 p.m. in London. Matt, it's nice to have you back on the program. Thanks for having me again. So, Matt, I'd, I'd like to start with maybe the, the most obvious, the most important question as we're thinking about COVID-19 in the United States. As you're looking at the incoming data on the spread of the virus, is it getting worse? Is it getting better? How are you thinking about that dynamic? Sure. I think there are three things uh, that I'm focused on. First, the rate of exponential growth as opposed to linear or some other growth. Second, testing positivity. And third, the areas in the country where we're experiencing significant new spread of the virus. Unfortunately, all three of those have been getting worse over the past few weeks. So first on exponential growth, we started with a few states in the Sunbelt region, and now we spread to more than half the states experiencing exponential growth in new cases. Second, there are 14 or 15 states that have test positivity above 10%, which is the ratio of people that have tested positive over the total number of tests. If that ratio is increasing, it suggests that more people are testing positive and, and we view as a soft metric that we are not capturing all of the people who are positive for the disease. Perhaps more importantly, almost all states except for a few in the Northeast or the Northwest have experienced a rise in their test positivity ratio. And then third, perhaps most concerning, at least to me, is that we look at this on a county by county basis. And initially, only counties in Florida, Texas, Alabama, et cetera, across that Gulf Coast region, were starting to see significant increases in new cases. That has now spread north and east and west. And the vast majority of the U.S. is now seeing at least pockets within states and, and counties that are exhibiting a significant growth in new cases. So we started to see that spread across the country broadly, which I think is the most concerning. Matt, now you have started to see more states, more, more cities implement things like mandatory mask wearing in an attempt to stem the spread of the virus that you mentioned in terms of focusing on what we can quantify when do you think we could start to see evidence that that is changing things? And, and how much do things need to change to materially shift where the U.S. is going to be when we start to get closer to the flu season later in the fall? I guess what I would say is on the margin, anything we can do to increase social distancing and increase personal compliance with masking, et cetera, is going to be helpful. If you look at a state like Arizona, it's one of the few states that originally was having exponential growth and has now changed to more linear growth, right? Cases are still growing and it's still a hot spot in an area to watch. But I think as the virus became a bigger problem there, you started to see some additional masking, which may have helped turn from exponential to linear growth. So I think that would be a marker I'm watching. I think another reason why we're so kind of focused on this renewed wave of cases is that probably originally, right, I think when, when you and I and the rest of the team within Morgan Stanley Research were having these conversations a few months ago, 
the real focus was actually later in the fall. So as you're thinking about that potential for a second wave, I I guess maybe I'd start with why a second wave? You know, why do you and many other people who focus on this issue think that you could see a resurgence in cases later on in the year? And, And then maybe talk a little bit about the unique kind of challenges that an uptick in cases that happen in October and November, say, don't happen to an uptick in cases that we're having now. The first thing that I would note is the biggest factor in terms of how significant in terms of concern for cases in the fall will be is the level of daily new cases that we enter the fall season. So if we were entering it at 1,000 cases a day or even 20,000 cases a day versus the sort of 70,000 cases a day that we are now, I think the higher we are on that number, the greater the concern is that I have. Because what that means is hospital capacity naturally falls in the fall as you enter flu season and other seasonal virus season. And so if the underlying community spread of, of, of COVID-19 is very high heading into that, it just creates a, a more significant potential to have a capacity utilization problem in the hospital system. The flip side to that is if universal masking becomes more apparent in the U.S. and social distancing is followed potentially more clearly, that could also reduce some of these other seasonal viruses than is typical. So you've got two factors weighing against each other, but in my mind, the number of cases we enter the fall with will be the single biggest determinant to how bad uh, that could be. And it's it's probably safe to say that given where case counts are at the moment, that is a worse number of for community spread than that we might have thought, you know, a couple of months ago as we were thinking about the autumn and winter. Correct. And I think the second thing to note about that is areas that had their spread under control, say New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, et cetera, where it continues to be under control. You know, I worry very much about migration of cases from other uh, areas. And while those states are more equipped to handle it in terms of contact tracing and awareness and universal masking, when you have a high rate of community spread around those states, the risk that it increases there again is high. And so one of the other things that I'm wondering about as well as regional differences. How the virus is playing out in the U.S. is very different than how the virus is playing out in Europe. The fiscal response between the two countries has also been different in terms of timing and scope. So how do you think the market is looking at that? And maybe broadly, how are you looking at investing regionally given some of these differences? We just have very different dynamics depending on where you look in the world. It's really fascinating. It's the same virus, but depending on the country, the trajectory, the dynamics are very different. And you know, we we are pretty constructive on Europe as a region. We like European stocks, we like European currencies. And one reason for that is that we think this European recovery fund, which was just approved, is pretty significant, is a pretty significant moment for greater financial federalism in the European uh, Union. But the region's COVID dynamics are also much different and look much better. And I mean, I guess this is actually something I would defer to you on, but you know, it would seem like when you're 
case count is lower. There are just simply so many more things that are available and that are less serious issues for your economy. It's easier to open up your schools. It's easier to do contact tracing if cases start to rise again, that these things are, you know, it's it's not linear. They're much easier to do when you're at, you know, as you mentioned, 1,000 cases a day than when you're at uh, 50,000 cases a day. And so, you know, as, as we're looking at this uncertainty into the fall and none of us really know what's going to happen, the better starting point for Europe really does feel like an advantage of trying to narrow that uncertainty from an investor standpoint. I think that's right. Lower case counts give you a lot more flexibility on what you can do and a lot more flexibility to the upside as well if you start to see a significant rise in infections, your ability to handle that and potentially stop it from going exponential is definitely increased. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon for part two of my conversation with Matthew Harrison. If you enjoy Thoughts of the Market, please take a moment to rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. It helps more people find the show. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or a solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you.